I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Some of you know that I served here as a seminarian a few years ago, okay, a few decades ago. Um, at that time, seminarians were invited to preach once, once a year, uh, so you better make it good. And it was one of my first sermons I'd ever given anywhere. A few of my family members who were not churchgoers decided to show up and uh, make a point of coming to hear me at this big New York church. They thought it was absolutely hysterical that the Sunday before I preached this, one of my first sermons, the preacher was Desmond Tutu, bringing new meaning to the phrase, hard act to follow. So fast forward to this morning, and I hear tell in the rector's announcements that our preacher next week is Michael Curry of royal wedding fame. So I'm wondering, is there something going on here? On the eve of All Saints, AKA Halloween, someone once complimented me on my costume on Halloween when I was wearing my collar on a hospital visit. I think his exact words were, great costume, dude. <laughs> I'm grateful to both of these saints, Saint Desmond and Saint Michael. They are great leaders in our tradition for a variety of reasons, which some of which you'll find out next week, but they have this in common. Desmond Tutu, when he was teaching seminarians about preaching, he told them that, that in every sermon, the only thing they needed to do was to tell people about God's love. And our shy and retiring presiding bishop, Michael Curry, repeats, as I suspect he might next week, the refrain, if it isn't about love, it isn't about God. In many ways, that's all we need to know, or channeling my inner John Lennon, all we need is love. We read in today's gospel yet another encounter that Jesus has with people who are trying to trip him up. I don't know how you read the scribes' questions today, whether he's an honest seeker or whether he's one in a series of people who are testing Jesus. But he comes and says, which commandment is the first of all? And like many of these encounters, it has the air of a setup. If Jesus singles out one commandment, is he dismissing another, leaving himself open to criticism? In response, Jesus reaches back into his own tradition, drawing on the scriptures he came to know, including one we've heard this morning from the book of Deuteronomy. He says, this commandment issue, it's really quite simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's one thing, except, well, it's really two. It is a matter of loving God with heart, soul, and mind and strength entirely, and it's loving neighbor as self. To me, what he's saying is that fulfillment of the commandments is not about religious observance, it's not about rules, it's not about burnt offerings on an altar, it's not about sacrifice, not about what one friend calls teeth gritting Christianity. Maybe it's not a commandment at all in the ways we usually think about commandments, because it's a matter of the heart. It's about relationship. Relationship with God and each other, which are inseparably intertwined in Jesus's vision. It's about love. And fulfillment of this, the first of all commandments, will bring someone closer to the kingdom of God. The gospel tells us Jesus' interrogator goes away and that no one asks Jesus any more questions. 
Maybe that guy expected to hear about rules. Instead, he heard about relationship. Those who were out to get Jesus realized they've been gotten. And in the end, love wins. It's a privilege for me to serve on clergy staff here. I also serve for a ministry called Renewal Works in that work which this parish has embraced. We've, in, we've concluded that the main work of the church, the first thing, is spiritual growth. We might say that the call to spiritual growth is the greatest commandment. We believe that really echoes what Jesus is saying, for when we're asked what we believe spiritual growth is all about, it is about love, about growth and love of God and love of neighbor. It's about Jesus' answer in this encounter, sometimes called the Jesus Creed, a creed that's woven into our liturgy. In a few moments, we'll say the confession, and I always note, I sometimes get stuck, on the part that admits that we have not loved God with whole heart and not loved neighbor as self. There is not a day in my life when that is not true. Sometimes it's true even before my feet hit the floor when I get out of bed. I've come to believe that that is the spiritual work before us, to grow in love and to recognize that we fall short and that maybe heaven will be that place where we do this fully. So given all that, how does that kind of growth happen in our lives? I just want to say in my own life, I find it to be one of the ongoing spiritual challenges, something I really have to work on daily. Because left to my own inclinations, I tend to love those people who I love and the others not so much. Being an introvert, Sorts, I can identify with the guy who said, I love humanity. It's people I can't stand. And if I'm having trouble loving folks who I can see, what does it really mean to grow in love of God who I can't see? Of late, I've been reading meditations by Howard Thurman, a mystic of the last century. It's been very helpful to me, and I came across a poem in which he speaks of this question of how it is we grow in love. He writes, more love we cried as if love could be weighed, measured, bundled, tied, as if with perfect wisdom we could say, to one a little love, to another an added portion. But now we see the tragic blunder of our cry, not for more love our hunger, hungry cravings seek, but more power to love, more power to love. So where do we find that power, that intention, that purpose, that will to grow in love of God and neighbor? And for God's sake, can it even be commanded? Travel with me to last week's worship and the colic we heard that day. It asks that the gifts of faith, hope, and charity be increased in us. And in that colic, we pray, gracious God, make us love what you command. In other words, as in all things. Our ability to grow in love comes as gift, as grace, as God's work among us, to which we are simply called to open ourselves. That should cut down on the hubris that often comes with religious folks, that annoying and divisive holier-than-thou attitude. And to the extent that we can do any of this, to the extent we're able to live into the life God holds before us, it is God's work in us. 
That should also cut down on the anxiety about all this as we recognize that it is God at work in us. And all that is asked of us is to open ourselves, open our hearts to that possibility. And thanks be to God in our tradition, we have this example, model, case study in Jesus who shows us what love of God and love of neighbor looks like. Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus who told the story of the Good Samaritan as an example of fulfilling the commandment to love neighbor. Jesus who showed us that the way of love is the way of the cross, that place where arms of love stretched out on hardwood to draw us all into saving embrace. And with that model of service and self-sacrifice, we can reach back as Jesus did to the guidance of scripture. And I mean specifically today's reading from Deuteronomy, which helped shape the Shema, the Jewish confession of faith, one known to Christ and one meant to be repeated every day several times. In that spirit, the commandment to love of God and love of neighbor was intended to shape all of life. Those who hear this commandment, the word Shema means hear. They are invited to hold these commandments in the heart, to recite them to children, to talk about them at home and when they're away, when lying down and rising up, to put them as a sign on the hand, an emblem on the forehead, on doorposts or the house or gates. And I wonder, I wonder what Moses would say if he was giving that commandment today. I can hear him saying, the word is very near you, this commandment to love God and love neighbor. So put it on your screensaver, on your bathroom mirror, your dashboard, in your phone. Binge on it instead of Netflix. Let the commandment to love be part of all of life and let its power move you, even and especially when it's not be easy. Let's be clear, the way of love, which is the way of the cross, is not stuff of Hallmark cards. It is tough, challenging, inconvenient, painful, sometimes even annoying, but in that way of costly discipleship, there is promise of God's kingdom. And I'm betting our preacher next week will tell us, by way of coming attractions, if it's not about love, it's not about God. And as the life and ministry and witness of Jesus tells us in the way of the cross, love wins. So we pray again and always, Lord, Help us to love what you command. Help us to love God with heart, soul, mind, strength. Help us to love neighbor as self. Amen.